With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cartago Delinda Est, hello, and welcome to Everything's Political. I'm your host, Taya Shoemake. You can find us online at everythingspolitical.org. The email address for the show is podcast at everythingspolitical.org. Shout out to Magic Man Joe Strecker, the Richard Petty of Podcast Producers. Good to be with you today, Joe. Before we get started in today's material, I know everyone is looking at the Ukraine Russia situation, the crisis. And I just want to caution, you know, us getting involved in any European (laughs) conflict, it just, in my opinion, is not going to bode well. I'm not sure we can genuinely help anyone with our country divided, with these ridiculous tyrannical mandates with a woke military with our level of debt i think we have enough to deal with right here that's not to say i'm not without sympathy for the civilians on both sides of that conflict and those are the people who always suffer because of corrupt leadership I don't have time to get into a big history lesson today, but I would just remind everyone that we got into the greatest war, World War I, because we refused to let Europe be Europe. That's just what Europe did. But we got embroiled in that mess, all of our men perishing. It was no bueno. And make no mistake, the number one cause of World War II was not Hitler, it was not anti-Semitism, it was World War I. Now, if you don't know that, you need to go sue the school district who claims to have taught you history, because it's the truth nonetheless. So I'm just going to paraphrase John Quincy Adams. Where freedom desires to be in the world, there will America's thoughts and prayers be as well. But America does not go abroad in search of monsters to destroy. If we want to help others at some future point, and only if it's with a congressional vote, which hasn't happened, Joe, in how long? I've lost count, the number of years where presidents have, both Republican and Democrat presidents, have sent our military to a conflict without a vote, as required by the Constitution. That alone would imply that we are so mucked up here that we need to sweep our own doorstep 
Don't get distracted. Again, we are not without sympathy for the civilians on both sides of that conflict who are going to be pummeled. But we've got a lot going on here. It's a tough position, I know. But good Lord, we cannot help anyone if we do not strengthen and reinforce the republic. Period. Okay, Joe, let's, uh, let's play that, that first clip. In your race for power and glory, you forgot one small detail. We forgot to hook up the doll. You forgot to hook up the doll. Weird science. Perfect to start today's show. You forgot to hook up the doll. I, I'm, I'm trusting that people who are listening to this show have seen Weird Science. It's a classic. But in that movie, these two teenagers think that they're being big shots by creating another Kelly LeBrock, which, Joe, I don't think can happen because she was stunning. But they forget to hook up the doll, which is what they hooked up to make her. And I love that quote. In your, in your quest for power and glory, you forgot one important thing. And it reminds me that... You know, most criminals, if you know anyone who is in law enforcement, they will tell you most criminals, they make mistakes, right? That's how they catch them, especially if it's like a a, a murder that was not premeditated, right? Well, even if premeditated, I guess, but out of passion or whatever, someone always makes a mistake, even committing it or afterwards or whatever. And... I ran across a couple of articles this week that just jumped out at me and gave me pause and sent me down a rabbit hole that I think the globalist cabal forgot to hook up the doll. They had to have made a mistake, and I'm going to speculate here what I think it is, what they didn't count on happening or a consequence for which they didn't allow or prepare. So the first headline that jumped out was, in a shocking reversal, Justin Trudeau revokes his use of the Emergencies Act. Okay, now we've all seen, probably all seen the video of him years ago saying he would never do what he did. Okay, but we all know that he is a CCP puppet and a puppet of the globalist cabal, all in with the World Economic Forum young leaders. He was one of them that they put in place in Canada to infiltrate their government. This is not a conspiracy theory. This isn't Taya Shoemake, token on a, on a one-hitter. This is uh, the World Economic Forum's own words. You can go to their website. They have these leaders, and they place them in different governments to infiltrate. Okay? It's like MK Ultra. Only it's not our CIA. So something had to happen for him to do that reversal. Now he's proven that his allegiance is not to the Canadian people and not to even their elected employees there. His allegiance is to the globalist cabal. He's proven that over and over again. So that has to be a part of this sudden reversal. And the Gateway Pundit is where I got this. 
just two days after the Canadian Parliament voted to uphold his unprecedented use of the Emergencies Act, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced in a press conference Wednesday afternoon that he has revoked the measure completely. The sudden decision to give up his emergency powers, which were set to remain for at least the next three weeks, is an unexpected one to say the least. After all, Trudeau has employed the Emergencies Act for the past 10 days and has utilized the near limitless powers to terrorize and harass the grassroots trucker convoy protests. So it's not like he had a sudden change of heart. Exactly. So what changed over the past 48 hours? Did he get scared or did the globalist cabal get scared because Americans are now assembling? Which, by the way, Joe, let me just go on a little caveat. I love the truckers. I love the Canadian truckers. I love the American truckers. Here is my suggestion, my humble little stay-at-home school mom suggestion. Don't try Operation Anaconda. That's Winfield Scott's plan for, instead of having a civil war, that was his plan to Abraham Lincoln. Just stranglehold the South and cut off all their supply chain. It's called Operation Anaconda. You can read about it. Too much can happen, and too much can happen to you and your families. My suggestion is very simple. Just stop delivering. It accomplishes the same thing and sends an even stronger message and forces the people to go to their government and say, fix it or you're going to lose. End of excursus. So what happened? Uh, The Gateway Pundit asks, when Trudeau announced, he said, we're ready to confirm the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government will be ending the use of the Emergencies Act. And we're confident that existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe. Of course, we will continue to be there to support provincial and local authorities if and when needed. I guess it's possible that the leaders in each province were maybe jumped down his throat. I don't know. But again, his loyalty has been proven to be with the global elites, not his own people. So obviously this is developing. So we're going to keep an eye on Damien. Uh, um, sorry, Justin. So something's going on with this headline. Then I read this headline. Leading Manhattan's district attorneys probe into Trump abruptly resign over serious doubts. Okay. Dive into this. It's by Christina Lalia. I hope I pronounced that properly. Two prosecutors leading the Manhattan district attorney's investigation into President Trump's business practices abruptly resign on Wednesday, according to the New York Times. The new Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, has serious doubts about the case. That's a quote against Trump leading two of his top prosecutors to resign. The two prosecutors leading the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into former President Donald Trump and his business practices abruptly resigned amid a month-long pause in their presentation of evidence to a grand jury, throwing the future of the high-stakes inquiry into serious doubt. The prosecutors, Carrie Dune and Mark Pomerantz, submitted their resignations after new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg indicated to them that he has doubts about moving forward with a case against Mr. Trump. 
The case has come to a halt with no witnesses questioned in more than a month. Now, this was the case, if you remember, where they were going to force Trump's children to testify. Ivanka and Don Jr., I think. So, interesting. Now, there may be a little more options on this one, but it's still stark because Donald Trump, again, whether you like him or not, destroying Trump is crucial to their plan moving forward. They need him in the news, orange man bad. They want him destroyed. So people like Joe Rogan don't understand. They will not stop. You give them an inch, they're going to take 10 miles. They want you destroyed. And they will turn into Machiavelli. You and your whole daggum organization. And they don't care. That's just the way the left rolls. Okay, It's actually some on the right roll that way as well. They just do it a little more clandestinely. So at first I thought, if it's a new DA and he's looking at this case and he sees things that have been done illegally, then he calls these two in his office and says, everything you've done is illegal. I'm going to give you an opportunity to resign. If not, I'm going to dox you. Now, (laughs) why that would be far-fetched for me, although if you were an honest lawyer, is that an oxymoron, Joe? Sorry, anyway, I'll look it up. Um, A, I don't have that much faith, frankly, for anyone in New York, let alone a lawyer. Now, if you're an honest lawyer, uh, sorry, but not sorry. Clean up your profession. Um, But that would be shocking nowadays, wouldn't it? So given that this is such a crucial component of the narrative for the globalist cabal moving forward, you know, I'm not sure uh, uh, what else to think about. Why would they pull back? Certainly legalities, those frivolous legalities, haven't stopped them from proceeding before. See the impeachment votes. So it's inconsistent, not just with the narrative, but the previous actions taken to keep the narrative going. And why don't legalities matter? Because you can't quote laws to men with swords. So interesting, right? Again, There might be a couple of options that keep these completely separate. But when I saw these two headlines, I remembered a piece that Edward Dowd wrote for Zero Hedge. And this is the doll that I think the globalist cabal forgot to hook up. So let me start here. Again, this was Zero Hedge. Tyler Durden was the uh, author, and the title of this piece is Long Funeral Homes, Short Life Insurers. Okay, so the premise of this piece is this. Four weeks ago, one American insurance company, CEO Scott Davidson, revealed that they had witnessed, quote, the highest death rates in the history of this business, and not just at One America, but 
at One America with a jump of over 40% what they were pre-pandemic. Okay, so interestingly, Davidson noted that the majority of deaths are not classified as due to COVID-19. So Wall Street's looking at the insurance company, business, industry, and they're going, wow. You know, we kind of invested in these stocks and they're not doing as planned. So there's something we're missing. It's Columbo, right? Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Just one more thing. So the Wall Street guys who are supposed to be pretty smart guys versus the, you know, day traders or, or whatever, uh, whomever they compete with are kind of like, well, what's going on here? Contrastly, they see the funeral home business skyrocket. Okay, so keep that in mind. So Edward Dowd, who is the ex-BlackRock employee, leader, I think he was in the C-suite or manager, uh, tweets out, so the CEO in his own words, they are mandating vaccines in the workplace and raising premiums in lower vaccinated counties because they are mistakenly guessing here initially. The premiums will change to higher vaccinated areas as time moves on is my guess because he missed the plot. Okay, so the implication, the article goes on, to many was clear that the COVID-19 vaccine is linked to the excess mortality and months of vaccine injury reports were now spilling over to actuarial data. Folks, you can't fudge actuarial data which is beginning to show, among other things, that younger working age people began dying in greater numbers as vaccine mandates hit for a disease which primarily kills older non-working age individuals. The counter argument often presented without evidence is that the increase is due to people who postponed elective surgeries and other medical treatments during the pandemic. Um, let me say here quickly, I'm don't be scared by any of this. Oh, well, I, I understand that it's concerning information. We are not without options and resources. The World Health Organization, as a matter of fact, has an entire page on how to rid your body of the spike protein, whether it's from the injection or shedding, which is unfortunately real. And I can personally attest to that. So, I will put those resources on the website as quickly as I can get them up. Okay, the article continues. Ex-BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd is in the former camp and has spent the last month analyzing breadcrumbs associated with a rise in excess mortality versus pre-pandemic levels. Given that we're now in the middle of earnings season, there are some pretty big crumbs rolling out of the insurance and funeral services industries, which are beginning to paint a disturbing picture. A few key observations, okay? Mortality worsened in 2021 versus 2020, despite widespread vaccinations. Two, a spike in mortality among younger, working-age individuals coincided with vaccine mandates. Number three, the spike in... I wonder if that pun was intended. The spike in younger deaths peaked in Q3 of 2021, when COVID deaths were extremely low. On Tuesday, 
So those were the three key points there. Those are huge. And again, this is the article at Zero Hedge. Just search for BlackRock, ex-BlackRock manager. On Tuesday, financial insurance company Unum reported that their life segment saw an increase of 9% in their ratio of payouts versus premiums. Okay, their benefit ratio. A 17.4% increase in 2021 versus 2020, despite widespread vaccinations. And a 13.3% increase over 2019. Okay, so the higher payouts in 2021 are occurring with a miracle vaccine. The mortality and higher payouts and less virulent strains. Hmm. In 2019, this is a tweet from Ed Dowd. The unit had $266 million in profit. Last year, a profit of $82 million. And this year, a loss of $192 million. A swing of $458 million over two years. That's lower. Important to remember these are employed working age folks. So on Wednesday, this is the article picking back up, Dowd noted that funeral home company carriage services saw a 28% increase in September of 21 versus 2020. And ironically, almost the same increase in August versus the same period. So 13% increase in August. Funerals and cremations are up 12% and 13% respectively on the quarter. In general, funeral homes saw a quick uptick in business in Q3, and Dowd will be closely monitoring Q4 reports, which are expected around February 15th. Okay, so we've passed that, but he has not come out with it yet. Business has been quite good since the introduction of the vaccines, and the stock was up 100 and 6% in 2021. That's the funeral home that he just talked about, carriage services. Curious, no? Guys, this is shocking as 89% of funeral homes are private in the U.S. We are seeing the tip of the iceberg. The public companies report Q4 middle of February. And the article picks back up that Dowd also noted that Lincoln National's death claims are up 13.7% year-to-year, and up 57% in Q4 of 2021 versus 2019. CFO Randy Freetag explained on Thursday that in 2021, the share of young people dying from COVID doubled in the second half of the year. Hmm. Tom Gallagher of Evercore asked the question of COVID mortality impact. That was the answer. This shouldn't be happening with a miracle vaccine and a working age population period in a mild Omicron. Okay, boom, Ed Dowd says in his tweet, it's clear as day what changed in the second half of 2021. Variants less virulent than original, but we had mandates and boosters hitting. This is a total shit show to behold. Meanwhile, Reinsurance Group of America noted in their Thursday earnings call that Q4 was impacted by a meaningful level of mortality claims, despite the fact that COVID-19 vaccines have been around for more than a year. 
Okay, so you get the picture here, and, and I highly recommend that you go read this article because they, they put it very well together with Ed Dowd's tweets. For instance, uh, RGA, the, the um, insurance company, the life reinsurer reports profit in Q4 of 2020 and a loss of Q4 in 2021 on higher mortality. Okay, and again, he's, uh, the counter argument is, well, that is just people who didn't get cancer screenings and da-da-da. Okay, that's bad enough. Let's not shrug that off. That's enough to put you as a co-defendant on Nuremberg too, because of the illegal, ineffective lockdowns and all these ridiculous measures that did nothing except harm the Republic and its citizens. The article continues, also noting a spike in younger deaths which peaked in Q3 of 2021 is Hartford Insurance Group, which reported that mortality is up 32% from 2019 pre-COVID levels and 20% from 2020 pre-vaccine levels. Okay, so he's connecting all these dots, essentially saying that, you know, fewer older people are dying but younger people are dying more. Isn't that extremely odd? Given the narrative? Given all the anti-science coming out of Fauci and Dasik and Burks? Never forget Burks. People just give her a big fat pass. She was every bit complicit in this ruse. And she deserves to be a co-defendant in Nuremberg too. So Edward Dowd also connects the dots with Robert Malone, okay, who was calling out the bump in DOD data and insurance company results for death and disability because they were tracking. So again, he ends up here with the Ed Dowd's tweet, and he's not, he, A, he didn't do it, but he says, long funeral homes, short life insurance. Not investment advice, but illustrates my point. One industry is growing, the other is not. Okay, so Wall Street, these very smart guys on Wall Street uh, are scratching their heads going, what's, what's going on here? What is the, what am I missing, Columbo would say. An extremely valid logical dot to connect that explains it. So now Wall Street, if you given the fact that Pfizer stock is down nearly 30%, Moderna stock is down 65%, I think, last time I checked. I think I, we mentioned last time, Joe, that Moderna's CEO dumped his stock, a bunch of it, like $400 million worth of it. Only one reason to do that. I found a tweet from Jay Bhattacharya. He's the one, one of the doctors that signed the Great Barrington Declaration, wrote it and signed it. I saw a great interview with him and Malton Kuldorf, who was the, one of the others who signed it, wrote it and signed it on uh, Jimmy Dore on his YouTube streaming show. Very good. Very insightful. And his tweet said, is there a fancy Latin name for the fallacy where someone points out that a useless, harmful COVID mitigation measure is useless and harmful? And lockdowners respond with a link to a chart that shows COVID kills people. Okay, what he's talking about is circular reasoning or begging the question, right? So he asks, what are some key questions for the insurance companies? 
what are the leading causes of deaths for 2020 and 2021, and how many of those died were vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Now, I can guarantee you, they may be scrambling now to fudge that data. So I'm not sure I'll believe what they end up, what those answers end up being. You can add things like Pfizer. I think we mentioned this last time, actively fighting to suppress the research data submitted to the FDA. They wanted to wait. What was it, Joe? 55, 75 years until so that we're all dead or too old to read? Yeah, there's a reason for that. And it could be, as we mentioned last time, the fact that one of those studies turned everyone, every 100% of the people in one of the first studies for the jab, HIV positive. And still they have legal immunity, which is bunk. That's why you need to call your congressperson and make sure they do everything in their power to prevent this vax from getting any more ingrained in the demographic of children. Stop approving it. That just screams. It just proves the corruption. Because if any of these vaccines get approved for the regimen of the outrageous number of vaccines for kids, then guess what? They are fully protected in both the kid demographic and the adult demographic. That's probably why the Moderna CEO dumped his stock. He's not sure that vaccine is going to get approved for the kids. If it doesn't, there's going to be freaking World War III right here on our own soil, and it would be justified. Although I can put a lot of blame on people. Well, I shouldn't say that, Joe. I get that people are scared, but can we wait for some daggum data to come in before we are so quick to give up our liberties? Oh, here you go. Take my life, liberty, and property as long as I can go to Starbucks and get a latte. Good Lord. What is it? Weak men make for hard times. And that is exactly where we are. And that is exactly why the left and way too many on the ostensible right and the globalist cabal want all of this to continue. What was that quote, Joe? It is easier to build strong children than to fix broken men. Frederick Douglass. So the things we want to see in the world, we need to produce them. (laughs) You want to see justice, truth, justice, the American way? We need to produce people that appreciate those things on a grand scale. So. All of the, uh, the Wall Street reaction to this, I think, is the doll, right? All the financials, the after effect. Maybe they didn't think, and when I say they, I mean the globalist cabal, the Schwabs, the Soroses, the American cabal that are all in with them, etc. The cabal, they probably didn't foresee it happening as soon. And they probably didn't think Wall Street would turn on them. 
as long as they maybe gave them one or two other areas of making money. But here's the thing. These very smart Wall Street guys, most of them got the jab. And they're scratching their head again like Columbo going, how can I stick it to these? Because if I'm not going to live as long, because I took this jab, I'm going to make some daggum profit. And that's why you're seeing them short stocks. Again, you long stocks that you think are going to rise, you short stocks that you think are going to fall. So if you think Moderna is going to go down quickly, you either stay away from it, or if you're a short seller, um, you're going to borrow from your broker and sell them, okay, at the current price. So if the current price falls then, you buy them back. You don't really own them, right? That's short selling. You don't own the stock. You borrow them from your lender or your broker. And then when the stock prices fall, then you buy them back at the much lower price, hopefully the much lower price. And there's your profit. So hopefully that makes sense. I, I can't get into <laughs> the ins and outs of investing because that's probably the limit of my knowledge. Uh, but that's a lot of, of what you're seeing. And these fat cats made billions on these mRNA jabs that we now know are hurting people in greater numbers than we're being told. Last piece here. Board member title, board member of large German health insurance company sounds the alarm. Side effects, so not mortality here, but side effects of COVID vaccines are much higher than official reports. Well, we knew that anecdotally, didn't we? But here we have actuarial data. So the article, this was uh, Jim Hoft over at Gateway. A board member of a large German health insurance company comes forward. The side effects of the COVID vaccines are much higher than reported by official agencies. BKK board member Andreas Schofbeck said in a report, quote, according to our calculations, we consider 400,000 visits to the doctor by our policyholders because of vaccination complications to be realistic to this day. Extrapolated to the total population, this would be three million people. An analysis of millions of insured persons data from the BKK company Health Insurance comes to significantly higher figures for side effects than the Paul Ehrlich Institute. The new data is an alarm signal, says BKK board member Andreas Schofbeck. For the first time, the figures from this Health Insurance Association are available on the side effects of COVID vaccines. The board of directors had the data of millions of insured persons of the group analyzed. The total number of side effects is therefore many times higher than those reported by PEI. That's the Paul Ehrlich Institute. In a video call with the news agency, Schofbeck said on Wednesday, quote, the numbers determined are significant and urgently need to be checked for plausibility. BKK numbers suggest the total number of side effects reported in Germany are likely in the millions. So, yes, we need to check that. 
because everyone else is going to have to be prepared for that. This goes back to Edward Dowd's tongue-in-cheek advice to go long on funeral homes and short insurance companies because they're going to be paying out big time. And I wish that weren't true. Don't misconstrue my fervor here for anything other than shock and awe over the recklessness that has been allowed to transpire. Okay, so you can read the full report at Gateway Pundit, and you can read the BKK letter that has been translated from the German and how it relates to the numbers that are reported in the VAERS database. Okay, it was, it's a very good piece by uh, Jim Hoft. So, Joe, it's uh, crazy, crazy. But I think that Wall Street and the financial industry or the financials of this pandemic, they are the doll that the globalist cabal forgot to hook up. Yes, I ended in a preposition. This has all been allowed to transpire, either in silence or deed or ignorance. And I don't mean that as a pejorative, meaning we were overtaken by fear. And I want to end on a positive note here because this could absolutely be the reason why. And I'm not sure I've said it on here before, Joe, but uh, just to, to preface this a bit, I was talking to a friend and suggested that it was no big surprise that what was going on in Canada. And I believe that it was divinely guided to be in Canada, to begin in Canada. And I believe that because I think America, and I, I think I've I posited the suggestion this way. I believe that our creator had to step over the dried up mud puddle that is Laodicea, a.k.a. the United States, in order to intervene on behalf of Canadians. When we think about the dysfunction in this country, we can think about three entities, home, school, and church. We've covered this before. Used to be you learned the same thing in each of those institutions. So it was reinforced. And you step out of law and order, and there are consequences. The church in America is Laodicea. If you don't know what that means, dive into Revelation, although <laughs> I can't do that often. My head will pop off. So I came across this piece in, uh, by John Horvat. And confronting the powers of darkness with the faith of Naomi Wolf. Now, I don't know if you know who Naomi Wolf is. I can tell you who she was until these vaccine mandates, because she, I believe, is a student of history and understands things like Jimmy Dore and Russell Brand and Joe Rogan. Extreme leftist, extreme, used to be a militant feminist the kind of women that give others a bad name. But there was something in this pandemic. You know, when you get that, I call it the Holy Spirit, she got this, her spidey sense, which uh, maybe that's what she'd call it. So extreme leftists. And all that means. So Naomi Wolf wrote a piece that asks the question, maybe leftists should be reconsidering faith. 
folks, that, A, that doesn't just happen, right, with provenient grace. But I'm just going to start reading from the, from the piece here. Again, John Horvat at the Imaginative Conservative. The case of Naomi Wolf is a sign of our sinister times. We do not know whether she will develop her faith and embrace church teachings. Such conversations are best left in the hands of God, whose ways are always mysterious and inscrutable. However, her desperate plea for help against the principalities and powers of darkness contains the seed of faith that may blossom one day. Folks, that's exactly what I pray when I think of Russell Brand and Joe Rogan and Jimmy Dore. And I did pray it for Christopher Hitchens, who was undoubtedly one of the smartest men walking around. And unfortunately, maybe not the wisest. So the, the piece continues. We live in ever more sinister times. To call our times sinister might appear extreme since evil has always existed and manifested itself to humanity. However, evil has long advanced by hidden means to corrupt with greater ease. Darkness descends gradually amid the decadent mediocrity of our days. Indeed, because good times make for weak men. However, this age-old tactic is changing. The chilling presence of pure evil appears much more frequently. The shock of a raw encounter with this dark force is enough to shake us in the depths of our souls and even change our lives. This radicalized evil startles, raises questions, and invites supernatural reflections not common in our secular times. Such is the curious case of Naomi Wolf. She encountered this dark force when she challenged a cherished liberal narrative. Her particular angle hit a sensitive nerve that unleashed a disproportionate wrath that she qualified as evil. Dr. Naomi Wolf is not given to wild imaginings or conspiracy theories. She graduated from Yale and received her doctorate from Oxford. As a best-selling author, columnist, and professor, she is outspoken in her defense of all leftist causes, including procured abortion, and is not afraid to say what she thinks. However, she recently encountered the principalities and powers of darkness her recent article, Is It Time for Intellectuals to Speak About God, describes this discovery in brilliant detail. Okay, so I was wrong. It wasn't the left. It was, is it time for intellectuals to speak about God? How anyone, for, let me just, a little excursus here. This is like science and faith. People think it's one or the other, either or. That's a fallacy. Some of the greatest scientific discovery came from dissent among Christians. And I would argue that the deeper you dive into science, the more you realize, as many have figured out, the DNA, the double helix, this could not be, who was it? Collins? This was designed. There's no way this can happen via evolution. So just like science and faith are intertwined, so are intelligence and faith. Good Lord. Read Augustine. Go read Aquinas, Galileo, Linnaeus, Copernicus, C.S. Lewis. It'll take you an hour to get through a sentence. I guarantee you, they were intellectuals in every sense. Newton, because intellectuals take the time to dive down a rabbit hole, but aren't so self-centered as to think that there cannot be anyone but themselves. 
and they're not foolish to think it lightning hit a mud puddle and out we crawled. Never ceases to amaze me. That always baffled me about Christopher Hitchens. He was so smart and he got so close. And at the end of the day, there is only one reason. They don't believe in God because they don't like God and they don't like the mirror, let alone the reflection they see in it. None of us do. That's just a result of our human depravity. So I'm going to go along uh, back to this piece here. Naomi Wolf's case triggered this wrath of the left because it threatened a vital narrative crucial to a progressive agenda. It need not be a single issue. It can be the pandemic, the vaccine, the economic meltdown, or breakdown of order. Indeed, conservatives have long experienced the disproportional wrath of the opposition on a whole spectrum of issues. What is different today is the increased intensity of this wrath and the willingness of liberals to attack their own. Okay, again, I'm going to say that Republicans attack other Republicans as well. They just do it more clandestinely. Dr. Wolf's crime was questioning the effects of the vaccine on young girls. She has long produced similar exposés denouncing big business interests, all to the applause of the liberal establishment. She expected the same reaction to her well-researched articles. However, she was shocked to find herself on the wrong side of the narrative. She soon discovered that lifelong, well-educated colleagues, journalists, editors, and professionals all critical thinkers rejected her broadside and clung to the talking points of CNN and other major media. They asked her not to show them the evidence, lest they lose job status or opportunities. So we've said before, they are so close. That's why this intensity is ramping up. And you can expect it if you are led to stick your neck out. Expect them to try to chop it off. Quote, the progressive, right on part of the ideological world, my people, my tribe, my whole life became more and more uncritical, less and less able to reason, she exclaimed as she found herself pulped, deplatformed, canceled, recanceled, deplatformed again, and called insane. She was accused of being a, quote, pandemic conspiracy theorist who engaged in crack pottery. So the conservative piece continues. The issue was not the vaccine, but the challenge to the narrative. Indeed, the New York Times broke the same story in January of 2022, vindicating research similar to hers, but not reestablishing her reputation because she has shown, and this is me parenthetically, because she has shown her desire for the truth, just like Joe Rogan, Russell Brand, Jimmy Dore, their desire for the truth and transparency supersedes their narrative. They don't like their side cheating any more than we like our side cheating. Well, hurting people. I don't know. Maybe they're still up for cheating to win an election. Who knows? So she perceived that the broadside was not against her, but an infection of the soul. She thought it represented an infection of the soul, the abandonment of the most cherished post-war ideals, and the dropping of post-enlightenment norms of critical thinking. She was impressed by its orchestration and agility, meaning of the intensity. This overwhelming attack represented something profound and sinister. Dr. Wolf concluded that this edifice of evil, she said, is too massive 
too quickly erected, too complex, and really too elegant to assign to just human awfulness and human inventiveness. Now that's interesting because if you're in politics for any for five minutes, you know the depravity of man and not of the bad people, but of the good people who end up in that same cabal. She was perplexed, the article continues, by this intelligent force that was much more powerful than anything she had ever experienced. She recalled the comment of a Christian medical freedom activist who had suffered similar treatment. He said he found courage in Ephesians 2. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the world of this darkness, against the spirits of wickedness in the high places. When the hammer of evil fell upon her, something clicked that made those words come alive. It's only one entity that does that, folks. In our natural state, we don't seek man. So, interesting. She said that she indeed encountered the devil. Folks, this is a agnostic at best, pro-abortion loving whatever. Could it be that all of this cabal is to yield the knowledge of the presence of God and to wake up, although it's easier to cool down a hothead than revive a corpse, to wake up Laodicea, the carnal Christians who really aren't Christians, to wake up the churches whose first and foremost priority is not the gospel, but the preservation of their beloved and sacrosanct tax-exempt status. Naomi said she felt the, quote, the majestic nature of the awfulness of evil around us, the presence of principalities and powers, almost awe-inspiring levels of darkness and of inhuman, anti-human forces. Now, this narrative generated anti-human outcomes beyond the reach of humans alone. From the sinister impact, there awakened in her soul a belief in the presence, the possibility, the necessity of a countervailing force, that of a God, and that's a capital G she used. An evil so big demands a God that can address this danger. So she is pretty smart. You can't have one and not believe in the other. We would all perish from hopelessness if that were the case. And that's why some people aren't afraid. With her tiny faith in an unknown God, she started to pray. She might well pray with the disciples on the boat in the raging sea who awakened our Lord saying, save us lest we perish. Now, of course, this presented her with many problems. She expressed consternation because her Jewish cultural background does not frame spiritual battles in the dramatic fashion presented during her recent ordeal. Classical liberal authors like her, writing in a postmodern world, are not supposed to talk about God, much less the principalities and powers of darkness. She reflected that the rise of existentialism after World War II glorified a worldview that celebrates the absence of God and humanity's essential aloneness. Thus, few dare talk about anything spiritual. 
but she resolved that because, quote, the forces of darkness are so big that we need help. Amen. Humans alone cannot solve this predicament. I'm floored reading this because I have not read Naomi's full piece. So lessons from the case. The most encouraging conclusion to this story is that sinister times call forth courageous leader souls who recognize the nature of the evil we face and listen to the voice of grace. As Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. How many thousand Naomi Wolfs are there out there who are finding God amid their desperation? With their little faith, they are calling upon a God that they never knew and now grasp. God cannot fail to listen to such pleas. This case also contains lessons for mediocre believers who do not want to see the spiritual combat and make no effort to the battle, the principalities and powers. Her cry might also awaken those lukewarm souls. They might pray, from Mark, Oh God, grant me the small faith of Naomi Wolf, that I may see. I don't know that I'll go that far, um, but certainly when we talk about home and education and the church, those are the three institutions crucial to battle the evil forces that we see. And again, at some point, what you learned in one was reinforced at all of them. So, you know, folks, that's, it, that is so encouraging to me. Makes me want to do the Snoopy dance. Because through all the crap that's gone on, the heavy, heavy shit that we faced, not just with the bioweapon, not just with the corruptions of every one of our governmental and private institutions, most of them, you know, evil is good and good is evil mentality, the wokeness, the anti-science mitigation measures, the mortality rates from the vax or side effects, all of the heavy, heavy stuff. Folks, Naomi Wolf's piece and just her consideration tells you that God is working. And that's hopeful. That's more hope than you'll get anywhere. And as long as his people are on fire, that hope resides right here where we stand. You guys know I'm not an evangelist, but not afraid to talk about it either. I've experienced too much to think that that isn't true. So if you are of like mind and you are so led, I hope you'll join me in uh, praying for Naomi Wolf and that she continue to be strong in her efforts. Again, we don't know what happens. Uh, she could accept, she could reject, but she has been a fierce warrior on this vaccine mandate. And she's given voice, a very large voice, to those of us who were saying the same thing but didn't have the platform. So she has brought it to the forefront. She's paying a price, but she may get an even bigger reward. Okay, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you'll stick around for the next show. I had some uh, uh, emails regarding a, a vaccine shedding that I'm going to get to in the next show. I just didn't um, have time this week. But 
shout out, thank you as always to Magic Man Joe Strecker. And I hope you all uh, have a fabulous week. Until next time, Carthago Delenda Est, have a great day. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.